Welcome to r slash pro revenge where OP shuts down a business and gets a fat paycheck. Our first post is from Lady Stoneheart. And just a little context for this story, this takes place in India. So there's a lot of Hindi in the post, which I'm going to skip because I don't know how to pronounce it. And also a couple of the things don't exactly make sense when it's translated to English. So just keep in mind that there's going to be some jokes or insults that make much more sense in the native language. I finally have the best revenge story for you guys. This story started about one week ago and the revenge part started three days ago. I'll try to keep it as brief as possible, but it's going to be long. It's very long. A new family moved in a few buildings down from ours. They seemed normal at first and didn't interact or socialize with anyone else other than their direct neighbors. Most of the people living in these buildings have been living there for a lot of years and know each other pretty well. Now onto the story. The son, who I'll call A.H. for butt hat, is a creep. He's harassed a lot of girls and women this past month or so. He's about 7 to 18 years old. He makes lewd remarks, whistles, catcalls, tries to grope, pushes, elbows, and follows girls and women. He followed and tried to grope a 14-year-old girl who told her mom. Her mom talked to others' moms before approaching the jerk mom, aka Butthat's mom. The concerned mom found out that many of the girls had been at the receiving end of his harassment, even the women older than him and the newlyweds. The remarks he made were very vulgar and crass to say the least. The mom visited the jerk mom to talk about it on Sunday. And guess what the jerk mom said? Tell your daughters not to dress like sluts. What is my son supposed to do? Do their prayers like they are goddesses. They will get what they deserve. My son is only talking. Keep an eye on your daughters. Otherwise, other men will do more than just talk. Yes, she said this. When they told her he was also harassing married women, she said... Ask these newlyweds to keep their sexy side for their husbands in their bedroom. Needless to say, everyone was pissed. All of the girls got together and sent messages to his college friends and groups on social media about his behavior. But it's the boys and the young adult men specifying because they are all 18 to 19 years old that took the cake. They immediately started buddying up to Butthat and congratulating him on getting away with it and being a hero. He certainly felt very proud of it and full of himself. And from Tuesday evening, the revenge party started. Some of these guys, along with Butthat, were standing near the gate of Butthat's building entrance when Jerk Mom arrives from her work. As soon as she came near them, all the guys started making remarks about her very loudly. Some of these included, Auntie, keep your sexy side for uncle in your bedroom. If you walk this way, then I will have to come with you. And then, look back, look back, look back, which I'm guessing is a catcall in Hindi. If I have any viewers out there who speak Hindi, please let me know down in the comments what look back means in this context. Most of what they said were words uttered by Butthat and Jerk Mom herself. Butthat was mortified and angry, but couldn't do more than cuss them and leave them because they were about four to five guys. This has continued every day, twice a day. In the morning when she leaves for work, in the evening when she returns, and whenever someone comes across her when she is out for whatever reason. 
She has received comments on the way she dresses, the way she walks, the time she comes home, etc. All of this is done in front of her son, and whenever he objects, he is told to keep his slutty mom in check. Because the guys are only talking. What are they supposed to do? Pray to her? Finally, Butthat broke down and cried yesterday, but didn't apologize. He just called the girls and guys' names and left. Jerk Mom tried to approach the parents of the boys and, to her dismay, found that most of the boys were brothers or neighbors to the girls whom her son had harassed. Quite a few moms also told her not to be slutty as it was a bad influence on their sons. One awesome dad shut the door on her face saying he doesn't talk to women who can't parent their children. <laughs> and then we have an update. More drama alerts. Now the younglings have also joined in the shaming of the butt hat family. They've borrowed this from the movie Lake Rahu Muna Bai. All the 13 to 16 year olds are sending a get well soon card signed by them to the jerk mom and butt hat. Some of them are also sending personalized cards. Last night, butt hat decided to fight the brother of the girl whom he tried to grope. He went home with a few punches and a huge amount of hindi cusses. Still, no sign of apology. There are few things more satisfying in this life than watching a brat get a huge dose of their own medicine. Our next post is from Deleted. Hey Reddit, this is the only revenge story I have and the best thing is I laid the groundwork in advance. It's a bit long perhaps and written on mobile, but it makes me happy every time I think of it. A couple of years ago when I was 18, I got my degree in game development. It's a four year track with the last year being a four months paid internship and four months to work on a test of skill. This is a project that you can think up yourself to prove that you're capable in game development. I had my internship at a very small game studio, which was just two women. Let's call them B and C. As in B word and C word. They both specialized in 3D model making and 2D art, textures, graphics, that sort of stuff. Neither of them was a programmer, so they got interns to program stuff for them. I was kind of disappointed as I had no experienced programmer to learn from or to guide me. But this was my only option since I started looking for an internship too late. B and C were kinda abusive and condescending in their language use. I didn't stand up for myself much. I was always a fat nerd and had no self-confidence coming out of high school or college. What was cool is that they were located in an incubator, which is like a large office building that rents desks for 50 bucks a month instead of floors. Great for startups and single person companies. As a cherry on top, it was also an incubator that specialized in game companies. So lots of contacts and opportunities to meet people in the industry. I had fun there at first. They already started on a project and I asked them what system they wanted me to make, like inventory, menus, or gameplay elements. They had an idea for what they wanted. It was a game for kids that used augmented reality. AR is quite difficult to make and they didn't want to use APIs from companies that had already made the AR system because that would cost too much money. So for three out of the four months I was there, I built my own AR system. It was really tough and I had no help other than Stack Overflow because the other devs there had their own stuff to work on. The best way to learn programming is to be good with Google and just jump in the deep end and figure it all out. Eventually, I finished the AR system that worked with 2D image recognition. 
perfect for what they wanted. But it turned out they didn't have a game design document, which is a plan of sorts of the stuff you want in your game. They also didn't have a to-do wall or anything. So I spent my last month making inventory systems and stuff that was always not the way they wanted after all. They just said that we need an inventory system, but didn't know what all it had to do. So basically, my time was wasted there. Skip forward five months, I got my degree and decided I want to check out the industry some more. I got all my savings out and decided I could spend a year making games and maybe it would lead to something. So I rented a desk at the incubator and thought about what game I was going to make. BNC believed that if you are technical, you're not creative. They saw programmers like tools used to achieve their vision. Two annoying things about that. One, just because I like programming doesn't mean I'm incapable of imagining worlds and stories. Two, game devs and game designers need each other. Two disciplines of equal importance that make a game work. So this is what happened when they approached me. Hey, OP, are you busy? I'm just thinking what kind of game I want to make. See, come over here. He's not busy. Hi, OP. Could you help us out with something? Uh, yeah, sure. What can I do for you? We need you to make a menu for Unity, the engine I was working on, for the AR system you made. Now, I'll admit, the AR system was not the easiest to work with. It had a lot of settings and a series of steps needed to make it work with an image. And they wanted me to simplify it, even though I had made an extensive manual on how to make it work. But I had learned so much in those eight months and was positive I could improve the system a lot, which was good because the current code belonged to them. But I could use the same architecture of code and rework it to make it mine. Yeah, alright, I guess I can rework the system and make it more user-friendly. Nice, let us know when you're finished. I spent about a month making my AR system better and the finished system shared only 10% of the code with the old system. Then I told them I was finished and showed it off. This 2.0 version has better tracking in all light conditions, it can cover more angles, needs less detail, and now has a very user-friendly UI along with tooltips. What I also did is change the standard script Unity gives you when you make a new script. I put my name and copyright in the code so I could prove it was mine. B and C were very happy with it and even asked me to join their project as a partner. Yeah, I would love to join. I'll even give you a discount on the AR system. C with a kinda smug face. Yeah, we won't be paying you. The code was already ours and you just improved it. Besides, we didn't sign a contract or anything. Just be happy with the opportunity we just gave you. And if you didn't intern with us, you wouldn't be here to begin with. Are you serious? I spent a month working on this. Yeah, but you'll make plenty with the project. There was nothing I could do about it, so I just sucked it up and agreed to join the project. Maybe I agreed more out of fear of missing out rather than excitement to work with them. I did learn a lesson though. Always have a contract. And boy did I draw something up. For the contract, I had a right to 25% of the finished product's income, basic stuff. But because I didn't trust B and C, I was determined not to be burned again. I drew up a general conditions contract, which is basically the policy and restrictions of working with my one-man studio. It has all the basic rights and stuff, but it also had two clauses that make me laugh to this day. 
One, any and all code developed by me belong to me in perpetuity and may not be copied, modified, or used in any way without my express permission. And under no condition can I be forced to release the code files. The fine for breaching this was 1,000 pounds per script file. The AR system had more than 20 scripts in it. The second clause, when I get fired for a shared project, I am entitled to 50 pounds an hour I spend working on the project. No exceptions. They signed both contracts without even reading them and didn't have a contract for me in return. The first contract was what bound me to the project. And here comes the good part. I learned pretty early on that I was just there to listen and make whatever they wanted. They didn't want my input or anything. Even if they had a dumb, impractical, or just impossible idea about what the game should have, I couldn't protest or suggest something else, even though I tried. Fast forward six months, it's winter now, and the project is just not going very well. I constantly have to revisit finished components because they wanted more functionality in them. I was not happy and went over to their desk to complain and demand a final document I could work off of. It's called feature creep and a real game developer should know how to deal with that. It's not alright. I'm wasting my time because you two can't make up your minds and get a final idea in your heads. B and C dismissed me and later sent me an email. Dearest OP, we regret to inform you that our partnership is not working out and we have decided to let you go from the project. We hope there aren't any hard feelings. I was quite angry, but I remembered the clauses, so at least I would get paid a lot of money. I went over to their desks with the meanest grin on my face. Hey guys, I read your email. That sucks, but I understand. We have different creative ideas and we're just not on the same page. We're so happy you understand. Are you sure there are no hard feelings? No, not at all. I learned a lot and had fun. I can recycle the components to make other games. Just remember, you can't do anything similar to our game. They referred to the competition clause in my internship contract, which I apparently was still under because the project wasn't finished. Oh, yeah, no worries. I got something else in mind. After which, I returned to my desk and sent them an invoice of 26 weeks, 40 hours a week for 50 pounds an hour on the project with my log to back it up. Total cost, 52,000 pounds. Around $60,000 at the time. They freaked out. They had nowhere near this kind of money as they were both working second jobs and were saving up wanting to start a family with their boyfriends. There is no way we're paying this much. We understand some compensation is warranted, but this is too much. I lost six months of income on this project and you signed these terms. I had a copy of the general conditions and pointed the clause out to them. But fine, I'll take it to court and we'll see what the judge has to say. The court proceedings took around eight months. I decided in the meantime that owning a one-man game studio was really hard and decided to go to university to get a degree in IT and do game development on the side. But that's another story. The judge had decided I was in the right thanks to my logs and copyright lines in the code. But I was also asking for too much as it would utterly bankrupt B and C. So I would get £20,000 and be reimbursed for legal costs, totaling about £35,000. 
For B and C, it was a massive blow. B had to sell her car to get the money and couldn't get a mortgage for the house she wanted to buy. They also had to use home offices as the others working at the incubator wouldn't even talk with them anymore. Since I made sure everyone there knew what happened, how they tried to screw me over. I also told the whole story to my old teachers and no interns will be coming to them from my old college. The last time I heard from them was a year or so later, asking me for the code I made for the project. One of their drives failed and they didn't have backups. This shows their level of professionalism. I laughed my butt off over the phone and pointed them to the clause of the general conditions. You can't claim the code. It's in the general conditions. You can't even work with anything I made because you don't have my permission to use my code. If you did, you owe me another 20,000 pounds. Tell you what though, I'll sell it to you. Well, how much do you want? 52,000 pounds. A silence on the other side of the phone. Click. As of now, their studio is out of business and I'm scheduled to graduate next year with no study debt at all. I lost weight and have a lot more self-confidence. This story makes me feel powerful and good about myself. I stood up and it got rewarded. Don't mess with the fat programming nerd. It's an interesting coincidence that OP decided to name these characters C and B, which also stands for Choosing Beggar. We'll be back with more r slash content right after this short break. Welcome to r slash malicious compliance, where entitled jerks get exactly what they ask for. Our first Reddit post is from Crackbear. Background, part of my job involves taking calls from the public to offer various types of support. This can range from tech support to helping people find services in our country that they need. My team is me and one other person. Between us, we have to cover 7.30 a.m. to 7.30 p.m. Monday to Friday and weekends as well. Because of this and the fact that the company won't invest in call waiting for us, we can only take one call at a time. Our voicemail quite clearly states that we're a small team, but if you leave your name and number, we aim to get back to you within five minutes. Normally, people are rather understanding of our situation and are happy to wait for us to call them back, but as the world is full of impatient buttholes, we often get voicemails just criticizing us. Now, this happened today, and I've been wanting to react this way for a long time and finally got the opportunity to. So, I get a voicemail from Butthole Caller. This is bloody ridiculous. I was told to call this number, but what's the effing point in telling people to call if there's nobody to answer the phone? She calls again. Hello, you're through to company name. This is OP speaking. How can I help? Oh, so now you answer the phone. What is the point of having a number if you never bloody answer it? Ah, did you leave us a voicemail? I've just listened to it, but unfortunately, you didn't leave any contact details, so I was unable to return your call. Thank you for calling back. How can I help? You should answer every call that comes through. Well, unfortunately, there are only two people in my team, including myself, and there tends to only be one of us in at a time, so if I answered every call, I'd end up having to keep putting people on hold, and that really doesn't seem fair. Regardless though, you're through at the moment and I'm happy to help you however I can. You can help me by doing your job and answering the phone when it rings. 
At this point, I'm like, F you lady, so sod it, I'll comply. Okay, sure, I'm sorry that I've annoyed you. I'll make sure to answer the phone whenever it rings. Now, how can I help? The butthole caller starts to describe her problem. The phone rings. Oh, I'm sorry, the phone is ringing. I'll have to place you on hold. Wait! <laughs> I put her on hold. I then help the person calling, taking my sweet, sweet time. Like going above and beyond just to keep this other jerk waiting. Plus, you know, it's nice to help people. I take butthole caller off hold. Thanks for your patience. Now, you were saying, How dare you put me on hold, especially... Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> the phone is ringing. I'll have to place you on hold. I put her on hold. <laughs> you can see where this goes. I think I managed to keep this going for about 15 to 20 minutes before she hung up and I'm in for the next 10 hours. God, I hope she calls back. I feel like if all the malicious compliance victims of the world had a mascot, it would be the surprise Pikachu face. Our next post is from Outrun Radio. I work for a small company in the trades as head of the IT department, aka the only IT person. Truthfully, the gig is pretty great. Good pay, benefits, and I can come and go as I please within reason. The two people I have to answer to are the VP and CEO, and as is par for the course, they know dick all about anything to do with technology and generally leave me be as I'm good at my job and everything runs smoothly. Being a small company, a lot of us don't take vacations due to A, building the company, and B, not having replacements for the time we're gone. But after two years vacationless, we're in the US, my wife convinces me to use the time I'm given to decompress and take a small one week getaway. I talk to VP and he gives me the thumbs up to take the time, barring I get everything in order and do some minor teaching to other staff in case of an emergency. Cool, easy. Enter the Field Operations Director, or FOD, a man who is an attack dog for the VP for no reason as the VP is nothing but polite and reasonable. FOD loves giving everyone a hard time, adding steps to tasks to make himself look like he's part of the process, reminding everyone how much of a boss he is to the rest of us in management, and calling me a nerd any chance he gets. Fair to say, I dislike FOD immensely. After making my rounds with other staff, it's FOD's time to do some scary computer-related learning. FOD refuses to look weak under any circumstances and gets very aggressive when learning new things because I'm the boss I already know. In the midst of learning, it dawns on him to ask why he has to learn this stuff anyway. I'm the nerd and it's my job to do this. I clue him in on the week I'm taking off, and this stuff is just precautionary. This worries Fod, as he'll have to retain information, answer questions, and do some minor troubleshooting. The conversation went something like this, and I wish I could tell you this guy isn't this much of a jerk, but he is. Who approved your vacation? The VP did, as long as I could get you guys comfortable with some small maintenance. I only approve vacation time. I'm your boss. Side note, he does this so much that the VP actually wrote out the hierarchy in chart form and we all carry a digital copy with us to remind him who he's actually in charge of. You're not, and I show him the chart. Well, fine, but your salary, so you have to work during your vacation. 
you'll bring your laptop and work phone with you. When you vacation, you make it very clear you're unreachable and can't be bothered even if it's an emergency. That's because I go to places without service and unless you're going to the mountains, you have to work. Your salary. Malicious compliance initiated. Just to be clear, if I go to a place without service, I won't be expected to work, yeah? That's right, but you're a nerd. You don't do anything outdoorsy. Great, thanks for clearing that up. Fast forward three weeks and it's vacation time. All my ducks are in a row. People are comfortable with me being gone for the week and are all encouraging me to just disconnect. A close coworker of mine knows of the conversation Fod and I had and asked what I planned to do about it, so I shared my easy but effective plan. One, wife and I rented a cabin in the woods two hours from the nearest town and it doesn't have service. Two, set up automatic email replies that have all IT questions and concerns forwarded to Fod since he's the boss, he knows. Three, leave my work phone on the charger in my office with the ringer on, door locked, so he has to hear it, and voicemail changed to have Fod become IT for the week. Coworker loves the idea of flooding Fod with questions he can't answer so much that he gets other coworkers in on it. Midway through the week, I get a call from my coworker with an update. Fod loses it. He can't keep up with any requests for help and didn't bother to memorize the simple tasks I showed him. So he does what any good boss does and puts in a request to take vacation until I get back. Retreat is always an option. Nothing screams leader more than retreat. It's not weakness and failure if he's not there. My coworkers were able to manage and Fod got his three-day vacation, unfortunately. After the week off, I'm called to VP's office to catch up and get things back on track. VP obviously heard of the hardships Fod faced in my absence and laughed at my malicious compliance, surprisingly. VP struck a deal with me moving forward since it was made clear to him no one else knew how to do my job. I can go on vacation whenever I'd like as long as I bring my laptop and phone and check in once a week. They'll refund my vacation time for that day even if I only work for 5 minutes. I took that but with the caveat of making Fod actually learn some of my duties just in case. VP agreed. Now, I do an hour of teaching a week to a very surly Fod. After all, he's <laughs> after all, he's the boss. He's got to know. I love that this entire office of workers has to carry around digital proof in their pockets that this guy is wrong because he's wrong so frequently. What a stellar boss. Our next Reddit post is from Annie Phoenix. To give context, I live in Europe in a non-Anglophone country. I've always been a language nerd, and since my parents divorced, English and everything in it, music, movies, internet, was my escape. So I was fluent before most of my classmates and got my CPE, my Certificate of Proficiency in English, the highest certificate from the Cambridge Council, at 18. In my country, high schools are basically undergrad college and are finished between the age of 19 to 20. And a problem which almost all public schools have is terrible language teachers. 
most of them being former Russian teachers with minimal English or any other language education. Also, as my country is small and nobody could reasonably expect to use our language abroad, we put a huge emphasis on language studies at all levels of education, and it is often the thing which schools boast about to become more prestigious. So, enough context. From early on, my last high school English teacher and I kicked it off to a bad start. The first test she gave us came back all red because of words which are not in the textbook. The terrible teacher would do this to me for the full, final two years. She would take my essays and tests and cross out any word, phrase, or structure which was not in the textbook we were using. I maintain that I will not go as far as to learn the textbook vocabulary by heart just to remember which synonyms I was allowed to use just because of this teacher's antics. I've managed to keep an A for three terms because there was nothing she could mark down on my grammar. The final term, however, the terrible teacher learned that I wished to go to university to do Anglophone studies, a specialization her daughter had failed to be accepted for. She told me that as an explanation why I cannot ever hope to be accepted at the start of the term, and which, among a dozen other things, required good or even perfect marks from high school language lessons and accepted only 5% of applicants. Terrible teacher was dead set to make me fail. She started giving me the stupidest assignments and extra tests for misbehaving in class. That is, being finished early and silently staring at a wall. Which required me to mark the exact position of Disneyland on this A4 blind map of the United States. An exact quote I still remember after all these years, and more of the same garbage. You could tell she was so satisfied by me failing these tests, she would have a grin on her face each time handing out the results. By this time, I've been representing the school in language Olympics for both English and Spanish. She had no idea because it was organized by another language teacher. And even though the principal made it into a big deal, the teacher was plainly uninterested. I have placed third in the capital city district in Spanish and sixth nationwide in English. I'm not listing this to brag, okay, maybe a bit, but to use it later. By the end of the term, she got my mark down to a C-. Mind you, all the grammar was still A's, but her blind maps of tourist attractions had taken their toll. I went to her to reason with her, but her reaction was, If you think a different teacher would propose a different mark, take all of your documents and go to one of my colleagues. But I believe it is clear to anyone that you do not deserve any better. So, I did. I took all my documents. The bloody blind maps, the grammar tests, my by then a year old PCE certificate, and my sixth place diploma. I went to the teacher who organized the competitions and explained my situation. She was furious. She took this to the principal, and even though I was waiting outside, I could hear him yell at terrible teacher. You are trying to fail the student who was representing us at the national level of competitions? <laughs> it also turned out that with the CPE I had by that time a higher level of English education than terrible teacher had. I got my A. 
I got to the university and I love it there. I also started my own tiny language school where, among of course teaching the language to whoever is interested, I help kids whose language teachers are incompetent and or power hungry morons. The impulse for me to write this was walking by my high school last week and meeting terrible teacher. She acted like we have always been best buddies. A couple of my students are her students as well, so she knows about me. She hugged me in front of the high school kids present and exclaimed that I got where I was thanks to working hard in her lessons. I'm still pissed I did not get the courage to tell her off there and then. They say the best revenge in life is to live well and this OP is the perfect example of that. Also, OP, (laughs) I'm an American. I've lived in America all my life. I've actually been to Disneyland, and I couldn't mark Disneyland on a blind map. I am actually not sure what a blind map is. I'm guessing it's a map that doesn't have any labels like the name of the state or the name of the city. I know it's in Orlando, and I know Orlando's in Florida, but I don't know where Orlando is. On (laughs) On a blind map of Florida, I'd fail that test too, so don't feel bad. Wow, going back and editing this video, I realized that I'm double wrong. Disneyland isn't in Orlando, it's in California. Disney World is in Florida. So this this teacher is BS. Wow, OP, I feel bad that you had to endure that. That was r slash malicious compliance, and if you want to maliciously comply to me, then I demand that you subscribe to my channel. Because I just crested 900k, and I want 1 million subs so badly, so please help me get there.